Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here at Central Heights, and it's my pleasure to continue our series, The Better Way, Part 2. It's been a while since I've had a chance to um, share God's Word with you in this way, and it's really good to be back uh, with you to do that. Um, how many of you, if you had a choice, uh, would rather be coming back from a holiday or just about to go on one? Uh, what would you shout out, just about to go on one? Let's hear it. Coming back from a holiday. Yeah, well, not quite the same, huh? Yeah, I, um, I've been a big believer in rhythms of rest uh, in a week. I, I've often said play hard, work hard, work hard, play hard. And I think holidays is an important uh, rhythm of rest, good for a family. And I've, I've often been the one who's planned the holidays for my family. I love to do that. And I have a bit of theology now that I don't know if it's true theology, but I just think it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a reflection or taste of our yearning to be in the garden, you know, the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect and everything was right. And so you try to orchestrate these holidays, you know, where everything's right and perfect, the way you want it to be, the way you might like it. And so maybe for you, what, what's a great holiday for you is... Um, holding hands with your significant other on a dock at an all-inclusive where they provide everything for you. You don't have to make any decisions. Um, not so much for us. It's more like we liked adventure, hiking, let's play games, sports, cycle, tennis, whatever. And then... Uh, uh, Coinciding with that, have a beach day or a pool day where you lie around a bit, you read, and then, you know, hopefully read something insightful, and then maybe go to the gym and work out a bit. So we love lots of different kinds of activities with mixture. Um, we, we did camping when we were young. Uh, maybe you like camping. Um, good on you. I like to say we graduated from camping uh, to other stuff. We had... Um, uh, experiences with camping that were great really brought us together as a family because you have all kinds of things that go wrong when you camp and so that draws you closer as a family so but you want these sort of uh, utopia and experiences where things are great and a taste of that garden of Eden where everything's perfect but even then as hard as you plan things you know things go sideways because that's the way life is so you you hurt yourself I've rolled my ankle several times on holidays, and you know, then you're limping for the rest of the time. Uh, you get sick, or you have some arguments because you brought you to the holiday, and you brought other people along with you, and so there's still that possibility. But it, but it is a little bit better, and so it's always nice to think that you're going on one, not as nice when you're coming back. Um, so... so we become aware of these gaps even on holidays. When you come home and then you're, you're, you're faced with, oh, there's, there's more gaps. Like you begin to think about your life and, oh, okay, well, things aren't, I wish my life sometimes you're looking at it. I wish it would have been a little different. I had dreamed more from my life than where I am. Or maybe you're thinking about your family and you thought, well, my family's not exactly the where I'd want them to be. There's this gap between what you wish for, what you, this utopia you desire and what you're actually experiencing and then if you think about the world and you watch the news, there's this gap there. You know, you, you want so much more for our country and for our world, and you see this mess. There's this gap between what should be and what is. And then maybe you go to the highest level and you think about your spiritual life and relationship with God. And even as we go through a series like The Better Way, and we hear Jesus teaching from the Sermon on the Mount where he's sat down with his disciples and a whole group of people are hearing him and he's describing to them how to live under God's rule and you go, wow, my life 
just, there's so many gaps between what should be and what is. What to do? What, what to do with these things? Well, there are religious systems, there's philosophies, there's personal worldviews that says you, you don't do anything with it, you just accept it. So, for example, if God's decreed something to be, and like God's in charge, it'll be what it'll be, and you just live your life. And if you don't believe in God, it's like, well, it'll happen. Things happen the way they happen, and I just roll with it and try to make the best of it. And so you've got fatalism, defeatism, you've got... Uh, resignation, you've got apathy. And I think as we look at God's word today in this familiar passage of scripture that Jesus, his words that he's given to us, I think he's describing a better way than to just accept things that way, the way that they are. Matthew 7, verse 7, if you'll read with me, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So a woman's visiting a new city doing a little tourism and she's wandering around the streets and didn't bring her cell phone with her and she discovers that she's lost. And so what does she do? She sees a, a person walking by who looks like they live there. She asks them for directions because she's not a man. So she asks for directions. A man is scrambling around his house. He realizes he's, he needs to be at work, but he can't find his car keys. He's misplaced them. And so he's seeking. He's looking. He's seeking out. Where are my car keys? A woman is banging on the, on the glass door of a pharmacy, which is just closed. She just missed the closing time, and she can see there's still some employees at the back of the store. And she's banging on the door because she's frantic to get the medication prescription for her child, which she so desperately needs. And so she's knocking, asking, seeking, knocking. These are all activities that occur when the things that are aren't quite the way that they should be. And Jesus this morning is, is giving us, uh, and he's summoning us, he's inviting us into activity because things are not the way they should be and there's something that we can do about it. And it begins, the first thing he talks about is asking. It's not really a flattering, uh, flattering thing that Jesus tells us to do, to ask. Um, it, when we ask for something, we're admitting that we don't have what we need. We're, we're admitting a lack of some kind. So when a man gets lost, and especially pre-GPS days, um, and when a man gets lost, what does he do? Well, he drives around, right? He drives around looking like he knows what he's doing. There's a company called Trek Ace. They are a GPS company, and of course, it's to their advantage to do some research around this. And they discovered that the average male, I don't know how they figure this out, the average male, like like wastes about 900 miles uh, because they won't ask for directions. They surveyed 1,000 men and only 6% said that they would actually ask. They need a GPS that works all the time for them. What is it about it? Why, why don't we want to ask? Well, Chris Moss, who had written on this, talks about how it, it seems puny and pathetic for a man when he has to admit his need and ask for directions. 
See, we value our independence. We value our ability to solve things on our own through intellect, through strategy, through design. We don't like to admit that we need help. It's not just men, it's also women, and it's even in children. I remember one of our daughters, when she was very young, I'm, I'm watching her, what she's doing, and I can see that she needs a parent's help and volunteering the help. She says, no, no, no thanks. I do myself. I do myself. It's so cute, but it shows how ingrained our independence is. And Jesus comes to us, and he says, ask. In my Bible reading these days, I've been journeying through the Bible, I think, uh, It's ironic how I've been reading in Isaiah, and in Isaiah chapter 30, um, God's speaking through the prophet to the children of Israel, and they are a a nation who is experiencing things not the way they want them to be, and so there's pressure coming from the Assyrian nation, and and they're going to be under siege, and so instead of turning to God, they turn to other things. They turn to Egypt. They're going to rely on, they're going to solve it with their strategy of relying on another nation, and Isaiah says, no. No, you guys, you need to ask God. Go to him, ask him. Think about your own life. Think about your circumstances, the challenges that are in front of you, the opportunities, the the barriers. What's your first recourse? Where, Where are you going? Is that your reflex to ask God? This is what Jesus is trying to get across to us. In every situation, we can ask God. And I find this absolutely Amazing. Because, see, my natural thinking, or, and probably yours, is the, like, we don't want to bother God, right? Just like you don't want to be bothered all, all the time by your kids asking you for things, probably. Like, we don't think God wants to be bothered. And so, you know, this situation, well, it's not a crisis enough, so I'm not going to bother God with that or this one, in fact. Or maybe God's not even on your radar to ask, and so we don't. We don't ask him. We try to figure it out on our own, but, but God is saying, ask. Ask me. It's amazing. God wants you, if you get anything this morning, Understand, God wants you to come to him as your first recourse in all your situations, your troubles, your opportunities. Bring it to him and ask him. The verbs here in in verse 7 of um, Matthew chapter 7, ask, seek, knock, they are given, I'm going to give you a little original language input here, they're given in active voice, present tense, imperative mood. You don't need to remember or know that except to know this. When something's given in an imperative, it's like a command. It's like a command. So Jesus is not saying, oh, you're gonna bother me again? You're gonna bother God again with your request? Well, okay, twist my arm, bring it to me, we'll listen again. No, Jesus is commanding us, in a sense, to ask him. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's urgency. He's compelling us to ask him. Present tense, active voice, imperative. Present tense, active voice. It, it, the, what, what that gets at, it's not just to ask once with God. So, okay, God, I, I, I'll bother you just this one time. And so we bring it to God and we leave it there because that's faith, right? Uh, that's faith, just to ask God once. No, it, the, the, the way it's written, it's ask and keep on asking, and then ask again. 
Seek and keep on seeking and then seek again. Knock, keep on knocking and knock again. Jesus told a parable, you might be familiar with with it in Luke chapter 18, the parable of a widow and, and an unjust judge. And it talks about, Jesus said, you know, Hear this parable, because I'm talking to you about prayer. The, the, the widow comes to the judge, and, and he won't give her what's right, but he won't, he won't do what's just. But she keeps bothering him. She keeps pestering him. And so finally he gives up and says, all right. And he gives her a right judgment. And God says, how much more? God, who is just, who is righteous, how much more? But Jesus says, will I find faith? When I come, will I find that kind of people? See, I'm telling you, this is what I want from you. Don't go this about your natural thinking. Go about it how I'm telling you. I want you to ask. I want you to ask again. I want you to ask again. Just keep on asking. I'm inviting you into that. How beautiful, how amazing is that to me? Now, around this time, um, I'm assuming that if you're a Canadian like me, there's a little bit of skepticism lurking in the background. Um, Can I ask God anything and I will get it? When I used to live in Vancouver, um, I used to walk through the neighborhoods and we were renting a house and I thought it'd be really great to own a house. And when we first moved there, though, I thought, wow, they're so expensive. Who would buy a house for $325,000? I mean, that's ridiculous. And then the really nice ones, they're like 600000 on Kitsilano, on the water. I mean, who'd be so stupid to pay that much for a house like that? Oh, yes. But I could pray. I could ask. And so would God give me that house? Well, he didn't. Um, can I ask God? I get the Tesla that I want. Can I ask God? I get the job I want. I get the girl I want. I get the guy I want. Is that how it works? No. No. Remember, we we always read God's scripture in context, and these words are placed in the middle of Jesus' body of teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's describing to people who are listening the way of the kingdom. I want you to live this way. And and it's describing to them, this this is how people who are in the trajectory of wanting to live their lives under the rulership of God, the kingship of Jesus and his constitution, how things work in his constitution. And so in that, in that way, in that constitution, as we follow him, as we move in the right trajectory, he says, you are the light of the world. Like, as my ways and my truth begins to work in you, like, you are going to be the, you are, and, and you, people will see you're the light of the world. And so all the things that he teaches here, we can be praying into our lives that we will be the light of the world, and people will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We can pray as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount as well, the words of his, what we call the Lord's Prayer, which begins very vertical. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then we can pray for our needs as well. God cares about that. Give us this day our daily bread. 
But we'll be caught up in, in the context of this. We'll be praying and we'll be asking for things out of a relationship with God who is our Father for the things that really matter to Him, not just ourselves. And so I want God's kingdom to come. And so I can pray and I can ask God to heal people because as we read the Gospels, we know that when people are healed, Jesus would say, the kingdom of God has come and, and people's lives are touched. I can pray that the kingdom of God would come in reconciled relationships where I will be merciful, where people around me will be merciful because God is merciful. I can ask God to help me be forgiving and less judgmental because this is the way of the kingdom. Where I've been offended, God, would you help me work out forgiveness? I'm going to choose to do that. I can ask God to purify my thought life because that's blessed are the pure in heart. That as I live in a world where there's all kinds of stuff that isn't that way, I can still ask God to keep me free from all those entanglements and to live a life that's pure. I can ask God to keep me from anxiety. I can ask God to help me be generous with what he gives me financially so that I can bless others and not just consume it on myself. I can ask, I can ask, I can ask for these things and ask for my needs to be met as well. And that all my gaps, all the places where I see gaps, instead of trying to solve it with my own intellect and strategies and power, that I begin by bringing it to God and asking and seeking and knocking, and God works for the more. In Scripture, when it wants to emphasize something, it uses repetition. So as we look at this passage, notice how Jesus virtually repeats himself. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It's like Jesus is standing beside us in our present circumstances and talking to us about the future. It will be given to you. You will find. It will be opened to you. But in verse 8, he repeats himself. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. So for, for asking, it's like he's going ahead of us and saying that person will receive. That person who seeks will find. Repeat, repeat. It will be done. Can we trust God for that? Can we believe him for that? God will be at work to make these things happen. I'm gonna repeat myself so that you get this and that you believe it. It takes risk to ask. It takes risk to seek. It takes risk to knock. See, if I risk asking, if, if I ask God, I, I'm risking that I'll be disappointed. If I'm gonna put other things aside and give my life to seeking God and his ways, I, I, I'm going to risk that I'll waste some of the other things, maybe even the fun things in my life that I could have been doing. If I'm going to knock, I'm gonna, maybe going to risk shame or embarrassment because I really pressed on something and it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. It, can I risk? Should I risk? And maybe even now, again, that Canadian skepticism, well, I've asked God for something pretty important before, and it just didn't work out for me. And then it's a little hard to hear these words of Jesus one more time. I've chosen this morning to share with you a little bit of my own story. Because I think you need to know that we all have to live in the reality of this in our day-to-day. -day. In 2012, 
Um, my wife was struggling with coughing. Um, they did some exams and x-rays, and uh, one day our doctor came to our home and told us that uh, my wife had liver cancer. It had spread to her, lung her lungs. There'd be no treatment, basically, and that she would be dead in six months. We could have chosen to be very passive about that news. I mean, you can imagine how devastating that is. And uh, just to receive it, I mean, that's medicine, that's science, that's what it will be. But we live on another level, right? We live on a level where we can ask. And so uh, we decided to give ourselves to prayer. So did so many people around us. I was part of a global organization at the time, and I would hear about people praying in all kinds of countries around the world for my wife, maybe even, even didn't even know her, just knew of her through our organization. Um, I heard about people fasting and praying, giving themselves to, to pray for her. Um, I mean, in my own life, I said, I am not, I'm not gonna let this happen without, without going the full distance. And so, uh, nights without prayer, night without prayer, fasting, pleading, um, we gave it all we had. But just like the doctor said, um, a little bit more than six months, she lived nine months, uh, Virginia passed away. What do you do with that? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. In 2003, there was a funny little movie. I, I'm not recommending it, but I do remember this part. It was called Bruce Almighty, where Jim Carrey is given this opportunity to be God for a little while. Oh, wrong. Bad choice, first of all. Um, Jim Carrey, God, man. Bad choice. But he's given this opportunity in the movie, and I remember uh, he's sitting at a computer, and all these requests, all these prayer requests are coming in on the computer, and I don't know. He doesn't know what to do with it, so he just types yes, yes, yes. Yes. Is that what you want? Is that the kind of God we'd want? Yes, yes. The result of that is absolute chaos in the world because someone's yes affects someone else's yes, someone else's no, someone else's maybe. Everything is so intricately correlated, just like our economies and our politics. Everything, nothing's isolated. What happens over here affects what happens here, affects what happens here. What happens here in the present affects the future there, may affect eternity there. And so it all works together. And we do not see the big picture. God is big and he does. He sees the big picture. You know, before, long before my wife was diagnosed and um, we went through that battle with cancer, uh, we'd prayed, you know, God, your kingdom come. We prayed the Lord's prayer. We prayed, you know, God be glorified in our lives, Lord. We want our lives to matter for you. We want, we want our lives to count. And um, how often have I seen our experience and what we went through be something that has brought glory to God? Even in the, even in the months leading up through her treatment and everything, the, the love that people saw from the Christ community as people showered us with, with care and compassion and food and all those things, people observing saw, wow, this is, this is different that people behave this way, and God was glorified just in the evidence of his church, of his Christ community. Um, in the days to follow, how many conversations have I had with people that have struggled with someone who, uh, who they've lost, 
and who have suffered and died from cancer and, and the conversations I've been able to have with them to speak real life into it now that maybe I could have before as a pastor, you know, but you're, you're, until you go through it, you just, you just, it's different. And so to sit with people who've lost loved ones, whether it's through sickness or whether it's through violence or atrocities from others, and to understand what it's like to lose people you deeply care about, what seems to be so prematurely, it's brought glory to God. And we have to believe that God's big picture, the way he's working things, that we ask and keep on asking, and then trust him with some of those hard places where Maybe we would have written a different story. You see, and if, if I was given the role of God and not Jim Carrey, um, my wife would have been healed or certainly raised from the dead. I mean, wouldn't God have gotten a lot of glory from that? I mean, I could have written a great story, but it didn't go that way. And sometimes we have to hold those things that don't go the way we, we humanly would have written them. We have to hold them with open hands, and we have to make a decision. Will I continue to trust God, and will I risk asking again? Will I risk seeking again? Will I risk knocking again? And I'm here to tell you, I believe it's worth it. It's so worth it. Jesus, in these words, in order to encourage and strengthen us, says in verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in case you uh, needed to know, it's 134 days till Christmas, so you might want to get on it. You know, it... It clicks away. We'll be under 100 really fast. I have learned to love giving gifts. Uh, my role in the past was to do the stocking stuffers, and I got great joy out of buying unique stocking stuffers for everybody. Now I do the, you know, the whole shebang, and, and I love it. I love buying a gift that when somebody opens it up, you see this big smile on their face, joy, because it's, it's rightly fitted to them. It's what they wanted. It, it, it fits them. It suits them and brings delight to them. I love that. Jesus says, you know, if a son asks his father for bread, will he give him a stone? Like, think about what I'm telling you because if I place you as a human being Beside God, in essence, and these are Jesus' words, not mine, you who are evil, because if we, place, if we want to make a comparison, any of us with God, you who are evil, yet you would never give a gift to your child that would be, a, that'd be harmful to them. You'd never poison your kid with a gift or do something you know, deceptively wicked for your kid. You'd never do that, right? Like, that's so obvious, and yet, you in, in, in your state, this, so why would we ever doubt God and the, and the gifts that he gives? Because that's his answers to prayer are gifts. His, his answering to our seeking are gifts. We don't deserve any of it. They're, they're gifts. But see that God's disposition is, is gracious. It's giving so much so that he's commanding us to ask him. So why would we not risk knowing that he, the heavenly father, who is so good, is going to give us good gifts. Risk again. Ask. Keep on asking. Seek. Keep on seeking. Knock. 
Keep on knocking. You'll receive. You'll find. The door will be open unto you. Don't let the simplicity of what we're talking about this morning blind you to its power. In somewhat parallel passage in John chapter 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you, if you have this relationship with me and your, your trajectory is for the king, the kingdom, you'll ask what you will and it will be done unto you because his, his, his kingdom, his ways are shaping more increasingly what we're asking and it will be done unto you. And then just a few verses down, he says, I'm, I'm telling you these things because I want your joy to be full. Jesus wants the life of a Christ follower to to be characterized by answered prayer and the fruitfulness of that. He wants you to have testimonies where with you and your friends and your family, you go, well, it sure seemed like an impossible situation, but we got on our knees and we prayed about it and look what happened. And sometimes God answers before we've asked, it's already, wow, we got a van in an hour this morning. But we had to ask. This morning we were sitting in uh, this small room, our worship team, we gathered together before the first 9 a.m. service and we, these amazing people here, we gathered together and we, we pray, we talk a bit and we pray and somebody said, it's hot in this room. Yeah, it's hot in this room. And we could have been passive about it and just, it's hot in this room, let's accept what is. There's a gap. We'd like to be cold. It's hot in this room. Let's just accept it. Let's just go with it. Come on, you guys. People in Iraq are suffering in 42-degree weather. Come on. But somebody walked in the hallway and looked at the thermostat and said, hmm, well, the air conditioning wasn't put on. Press the power, away we go. Who knows how many things God has for us that's just waiting for us to ask to seek, to knock. Jesus is saying, don't be passive. Risk, engage. This is true of us personally. When you think of the gaps or the gap that's in your life, and as I'm talking about this morning, maybe there's one thing in particular that's really come to, to, to mind, to surface, and um, I'd like you to respond to God this morning around that thing by, by talking to him, um, asking bringing it to him. And maybe there's some seeking that needs to go beyond this morning where you need to seek him by doing something or knocking. You need to push on something. You need to check a door to see if it'll open for you. What what is God bringing before you this morning in response to his word? And I think this speaks to us corporately as a church too. You see, so often we hear Jesus' words and we only apply them individually. But I think this applies corporately. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray, our Father. So how, do, how does Jesus' church, how, do, how does this church called Central Heights, where we see the gaps, where we see, man, I wish things were like this, and they're not there. How do we handle it? Do we strategize? Do we, do we just think our way through? May, that may be part of it. But what's our first recourse? What should we be doing first? Asking God, seeking God, praying, bringing these things before him together. I say that to you because there's going to be times throughout the life of this church where we're going to call ourselves together to pray corporately together. I believe those are so critical, so important times. 
Because Jesus told us to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. There's something about doing that collectively, young and old, together in the same room, pouring our heart out to a God who longs to answer. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to uh, sing the song, Our Father, again. And as we do, I just in that... Whatever that personal thing is for you, I I invite you just to be speaking it to God, releasing it to him, praying to him. And then after, uh, when we dismiss the service formally, I I encourage you for some of you, just um, you can come and and pray together with our prayer teams who will be up front here to to pray together around that thing. Or maybe there's someone you're with here that that you, you trust, you're, you're, you really know each other, and you can say, hey, what was your thing you brought before God? Well, this was mine. So we pray together and just pray that together. Like right now, ask corporately together in two or three. That's how we're going to do this. Would you join with me as we sing from our hearts?